Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. So this will be day two of the Dan Bongino show, not talking about the Harry and Meghan interview, which I just don't care about. I don't. I will lose my audience altogether before I engage in another hour of wasted time on this stupid interview, listening to people living in a $14 million mansion complain about being victims. Not my bag of donuts. I just don't care. I don't care. Complain to Oprah. I'm sure Oprah, who lives in a $140 40 million quadrillion dollar mansion probably somewhere. She Maybe she feels bad for you. I don't. Here's what we're going to talk about because there's actual substance and stuff that matters. This is a much better intro, right, guys? We had, You don't understand. Yeah. It's like the fourth intro we had today. This Right, Joe? This is the most jinxed intro in the history of the Dan Bongino show. Many debacles in the beginning of the show today. Here's what's <laughs> going on. HR1. The elections bill. Democrats want to corrupt elections from now in perpetuity. Not going to happen. Not on my show. Video of Joe Biden losing it again. Uh, A screenshot from the teachers union in Los Angeles that's not worried about their members not taking vacations. They just don't want photos of it. That and a lot more. All right. Today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN. Stand up for your digital rights today. Get a VPN. Don't wait. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Nice. All right. I'm happy now. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Let's get right to it. Our first sponsor today, our friends at Patriot Mobile. You know, I've been taking on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and the big tech swamp. Patriot Mobile is taking on the mobile provider swamp too. And they have great news to share. They just expanded their coverage, which makes it easier for even more Americans to dump big name carriers who charge too much and then donate the money to leftists. Eh. I'm proud to partner with Patriot Mobile because they never send a penny to the left and they're America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. Plus, you can switch with confidence. They use the same network as the large providers. But here's the thing. They charge much less. Switching's easy. Keep your phone number, bring your own phone or buy a new one. Build your own bundle with multi-line discounts and save even more. How do you do it? You go to patriotmobile.com slash Dan. Go today or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. Veterans and first responders save even more. This month, get free Premier Activation, where they set up the phone for you and a special gift to with the offer code DAN. Go to patriotmobile.com slash DAN, patriotmobile.com slash DAN, or call 972-PATRIOT today. All right, Joe, let's go. All right, we got it. What? Yeah, you're making me nervous. You don't understand. After four stops and starts, the last one, I'm like, so just so you walked, if you would, if we have a live stream, which we will, hint and, uh, you know, wink, a wink and a nod, we will have soon. What you would have seen in the last debacle, take three, is I'm like, all right, Joe, let's go. Let's go. Let's, and then I had a rescue with the Kenny Bell. You know why Joe didn't ring the bell? Because Joe wasn't there. We lost this connection. I'm like, no, no. Usually we just roll right through. I'm like, now nah, we're starting yeah. over. I don't want to do this show without Joe. All right, let's get right. right to it. Number one, exposing the HR1 scandal, and it is a scandal. This is the House, the Democratic-led House, of course, led by Nancy Pelosi, unfortunately. This is their first bill. 
It's called HR1 for this uh, for a reason, because this disaster was their number one priority. Why? Because if they can't screw up elections in the future, they never win an election. Nobody actually votes for Democrats, just to be clear. They vote against Republicans because Democrats have Republicans believing, uh, have excuse me, have voters believing that Republicans are phobophobic, istophobes. That's all they did. That's my theory. He hasn't heard that theory yet. But, but Joe's heard it a million times over. Nobody actually yeah. votes to increase their own taxes, send their kids to crappy schools, let the government take over their health care, and for instantaneous national bankruptcy by spending money we don't have. Nobody actually votes for that. So how do Democrats continue to win elections? Because they don't focus on what they want to do. They focus on how Republicans are transophobes, homophobes, xenophobes, phobophobic, istophobic, phobophobes. That's all they do. And none of that is actually true, of course. But it gets people to say, oh, my gosh, those Republicans are genuinely evil. I better vote for the Democrats. They're going to protect me from those evil Republicans. And that's how they continue to get elected. Well, what better way to entrench that than to screw up elections for the future by doing everything that would wipe election integrity off the map? So there's a great article in The Federalist. This is a must read. It will be in the show notes. Thank you to Brian from Wisconsin who emailed me. He said he loves the show notes. There's some really good nuggets in the show notes. How do you get the show notes? Bongino.com slash newsletter. The newsletter is the show notes. I'll send them to you every morning. You'll get this great article by Joy Pullman in The Federalist. 15 insane things in Democrats' HR1 bill to corrupt elections forever. Now, <laughs> 15, I have 15 things with an exclamation point. I had to limit it in the interest of time because there's a lot to get to today to the worst of the worst. There are, I'm going to cut it down to four of the 15 things. Please read the whole article again in the newsletter. Um, and I think it'll give you a full spectrum of just how bad this thing is. But we're going to narrow it down to the worst of the worst. There's probably more than 15 things that are awful in there. Number one, do you know about this? That would eliminate voter ID election security. Why would we want something like that? You know, showing up and showing a driver's license and things like that. That's crazy. You need a driver's license to buy Allegra in the local uh, CVS or Walgreens, but God forbid you have to show a driver's license to vote. And of course, by the way, the reason I ran this one first, and this is number four, the voter ID one, is because what did I tell you in the intro to the show? Democrats don't get you to vote for them because nobody actually votes to increase their taxes, screw up their kids' education, and turn their uh, healthcare over to the government. That's the Democrats' platform, right? Nobody actually votes for that. What they do is they vote against Republicans because Democrats in the media have them believing that they're racist, awful people. What does that have to do with eliminating voter ID and HR1? Because every sane person, Joe, understands that, you know, elections are pretty important. Probably yeah. not some bold assertion. Oh my gosh, election, everybody gets that. It's probably a good idea that you show up with a voter ID with your license on it to show that you're the actual, actually the person voting. Everybody gets that. So how do Democrats consistently get people to vote against things like voter ID by electing Democrats office, which hate voter ID? Because they tell you it's racist, which by the way, telling you voter ID is racist is racist in and of itself because the whole premise is stupid. The premise of the anti-voter ID block in the Democrat Party is this. You can't ask black and Hispanic people to produce a driver's license. Huh? Uh, why exactly? Thank you. Thank you, Joe, for the because my head scratch does not mm -hmm. come up over the RE20 microphone like Joe's mm. fancy head scratching uh, sound effect does. 
Isn't that kind of racist? I'm, I'm just guessing that allow the worst thing you can do for a Democrat, the best thing for you, the worst thing for them is to allow them to talk that through. Why exactly is asking a black voter to produce a driver's license? Why is that a racist thing? Then watch the Democrat. Watch what they'll say. Well, you know, black voters, they're not, you know, they don't, they don't, they can't figure out how to go to the DMV to get a driver's license. Um, did you just, did you just say that? Did you just really say that on an open mic somewhere or on your mm. Twitter account? Because that sounds, Joe, just checking. Joe, do we have a yeah. racist detector on the phone? Do we have, do you do uh. have, you have, a, Joe has a device. It's called the racist detector. He has this, it's, it, it sounds, it's, it, here. It sounds like a bell when it go. If, if you say something that sounds racist, a bell goes up. So if you ask a Democrat why voter ID, it's not a good thing. They'll say, well, you know, black voters really can't get an ID because they really can't figure out how to do it. That, there you go. There you go. There the is. racist bell. The racist detector bell goes ding, 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 ding. ding. That sounds kind of racist. It sounds kind of racist. But of course, Democrats, their whole ethos is racist now. So here's number one from the Federalist piece. Eliminate voter ID. Why would we want that? After a brief overview of this history of bipartisan support for voter ID law, the letter continues, voter ID laws remain popular with 35 states requiring some of it. Yet the act, H.R. 1, eh, would dismantle meaningful voter ID laws by allowing a statement as a substitute for document-backed identification to attest to the individual's identity and that the individual is eligible to vote in the election. So don't worry, Joe. You don't have to produce a license. A license. All you got to do is sign something. Yes, I'm definitely the person I was here to vote, which you kind of do when you show up to vote anyway. How do they get stupid stuff like this to pass all the time, even though there's a bipartisan consensus that voter ID is probably a good thing? Again, because Democrats don't get you to vote for their policies. They get you to vote against Republicans by claiming things are racist, the Republicans did, which are actually racist when the Democrats do them. Do you understand? I, I, I don't want to dwell on this. I know I'm kind of getting bogged down in it, but it's really important. Do you understand how racist it is to suggest oh. that black? I'm serious. I'm dead yeah. serious here. Serious as a heart attack. Do you know how racist it is to suggest that black and Hispanic voters can't figure out how to get a driver's license? Do you have any idea? All right, moving on. Number two, two of our four worst of the worst 15 things involved in the HR1 disastrous debacle of an election bill. It's a scandal. This bill's a scandal. The actual proposal of this bill's a scandal. They're going to register millions of criminally present foreign citizens to vote. Man, what could go wrong there? What could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) By forcing states to automatically and duplicatively register all people to vote through government outposts, such as motor vehicles, state universities, and welfare agencies, H.R. 1 would register millions of illegal migrants to vote in the United States. I, I don't know. What could possibly go wrong? So now you have people who've entered the United States illegally. They're like, United States immigration laws double barrel middle finger to you. We use the index finger to keep the show relatively family friendly on the video channel. But what could possibly go wrong there by allowing people who have no claim on citizenship rights in the United States to vote themselves benefits despite not doing anything to work for their citizenship the legal process-oriented way? What could possibly go wrong there? 
Let's register people in the country illegally to vote. And then let's get the same people to make illegal immigration legal. So more people come in and vote for more benefits for people who have no claim on legal citizenship in the United States. What could possibly go wrong? Now, you may be saying, gosh, this article has 15 things that are really bad with HR1. Imagine that I just picked the worst four. There are more. There are 11 more doozies in there, too. So, yeah, no voter ID. Let's register illegal aliens to vote. <laughs> Nothing wrong there. Let's go to the next one. Game day registration. Which would explode opportunities for election cheating. Quote, adding to the threat of increased voter fraud, H.R. 1 would mandate nationwide automatic voter registration and election day voter registration. Write the attorney generals who are, who are uh, puzzled about this disaster. Such systems would provide too many opportunities for non-citizens and others ineligible to vote to register and cast fraudulent ballots before officials can take preventative action. Seems self-evident, folks. If you're going to mandate game day voting, election day voting, then of course you're going to have problems there because there's going to be a crunch to get the election you know, done and over with on game day. They're not going to have time to make sure you're the person you say you are. That one's actually self-evident, but very dangerous in and of itself. Let's get to the last one. They're going to mandate these drop boxes and, 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 and they look, they're looking to further enhance the mail-in ballot voting process. Now, you may be saying to yourself, gosh, mail-in voting, that sounds like if we were to do it on a mass scale, a recipe for failure. Don't take my word for it, by the way. Take the New York Times word for it. We'll get to that in a minute, but let's get to the final point here from the Federalist piece. Here's number 14 of their 15, number four on this show today. It mandates that ballot uh, ballot drop boxes. In section 1907, HR 1 would mandate that beginning 45 day <laughs> 45 days it's not election day anymore. It's turning into election year. Beginning 45 days before an election, in each county in the state they shall provide in-person secured and clearly labeled drop boxes at which individuals may at any time during the period drop off voted absentee ballots in an election for federal office. Why do I even bring this up? Oh, a little jumpy today. Because now, Joe, we're not just talking about mail-in voting. We're not even talking about the mail. We're talking about dropping things off in a ballot drop-in box. How does that sound? In a ballot drop-in box. So now you don't only have the mailman who at least knows you're you, who's not there to detect voter fraud at all. We don't even have the mailman. We just have a ballot drop box randomly placed, who knows, in the middle of the desert if you're voting in Nevada. Who knows? Who knows what's in there? Nobody's stopping you. No one's recording you. There's no fingerprint sensors, no voter IDs, no nothing. It's just some rando dropping a ballot in a ballot box. No custody, no control over it whatsoever. Mail-in voting's bad enough. Ballot drop box voting is a level below mail-in voting in security. Now, this, of course, was a big deal years ago to the New York Times. I've only put this article up on the show at least five or six times now. The New York Times was really worried about absentee voting, which, again, is even more secure. <laughs> and I say that sarcastically, but it's true. is even more kind of semi-true, sarcastically Babylon B-style. On the level of security, absentee and mail-in voting is obviously far below in-person voting. All right, we get that. Below all of that, at the bottom of the totem pole of election security, 
is ballot box dropping, which is not even a mail. It's just a ballot box. You just drop it in there. Randomly placed. The New York Times in 2012, Adam Liptak, they were concerned about mail-in voting and absentee voting. Again, ballot drop uh, box voting is even worse. All that stuff seems to have gone by the wayside. Now, why back in 2012? I'll show you a piece. Here's the New York Times article, by the way. Error and fraud at issue as absentee voting rises. Adam Liptak, October 6, 2012, the New York Times. So I'm sure YouTube will ban this video for even suggesting that you could have problems with mail-in voting, even though, again, I'm citing the New York Times. Ladies and gentlemen, you can look up this article yourself. Please do. Don't take my word for it. But I was talking to Gee this morning about this, sitting here kind of BSing about the show. And I was like, hey, Gee, you know why uh, New York Times wrote this article back in 2012? Why would the New York Times expose failures in our mail, mail-in and absentee voting process that they're more likely to be, uh, be rejected, mail-in votes, for problems? Because back in 2012, absentee voting was largely the purview of a senior population in Florida and the military. So they largely voted what, Joe? Republican. Yeah. So the New York Times was like, my gosh, we got a problem here. We got an election process, absentee voting that favors Republicans. How do we write a story bashing that one? Now that the Democrats are pushing through HR1 through mass mail and va- Oh my gosh, there's a- <laughs> I was just watching the news. They're playing a clip of- uh, the COVID stock market crashed. They're like, stock market down 2,000 points. I'm like, oh my gosh, I better sell. That's not today. No worries. But now that they're pushing for, back to the show, they're pushing for mass mail-in balloting for everyone and they know could benefit Democrats. All of a sudden, everybody's quiet about the problems with absentee voting and mail-in. Weird how that happens, isn't it? Quote, New York Times. This is not Dan Bongino. This is the New York, this is Dan Bongino reading the New York Times. Quotes, liberals. That means the New York Times wrote this in their piece. That's what quotes mean. Quote, New York Times. Yet votes cast by mail are less likely to be counted, more likely to be compromised, and more likely to be contested than those cast in a voting booth. Statistics show. (laughs) Election officials reject almost 2% of ballots cast by mail. That's double the rate for in-person voting. Of course, this article will be memory-hauled now Liberals will pretend it never happened, even though, again, Adam Liptak at the New York Times. I don't know, Adam. Maybe he's still concerned about it. I'm not sure. The New York Times certainly isn't. Uh, It's weird that they would write an article in 2012 when absentee voting favored Republicans, that there was real problems with absentee voting, that the rate of rejection of those ballots was double for in-person voting. And now that they want to drop stuff in a ballot box, strangely, everybody's memory hold everything. Isn't that a little weird? A little strange, Joe, no? Weird, man. All right. We are always, always, when we cover the media and their selective memory holing of items they covered in the past and don't cover now. Always reminds me of an article I keep keep handy on my phone. It's this one. How the media, when they thought Trump was really colluding with the Russians, I, I can never get rid of this article. It stays up on my phone full time. When the media thought Trump was really colluding with the Russians because they're dumb and they believe the pee hoax, they were more than happy to report about all the people around the world who were spying on the Trump team uh, for the Obama administration. I never showed you this. Key. Look at this article. I keep up on my phone. I'm not a joke. Yeah. This is from <laughs> CNN. Yeah. Is it, and Guy's, I know, don't worry, he's going to, because he's a perfectionist. He's going to say, Dan, get me that article. For, no, no, don't worry. It's, it's better. 
British intelligence passed Trump associates' communications with Russians onto U.S. counterparts. CNN admitting the British were spying on the Trump team for the Obama administration. That, that article, again, totally memory hold. You go to Wikipedia, they're like, Spygate, it's a hoax. That didn't really happen. You dunces reported on it because you thought it was real at the time because you're dunces. And now they memory hole everything, just like the New York Times will memory hole the entire piece about the problems with mail-in voting. <sighs> Man, I love my job, but it is, it is frustrating. All right, let me get to my second sponsor today, our friends at LifeLock. With the tax deadline approaching, it's important to take steps to avoid being victim of tax scams. Cybercriminals have used social security numbers to file fake returns in an attempt to steal refunds. File early, be aware of suspicious activities related to your return, and find out if you're eligible to apply for an IRS identity protection pin. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. Every day we put our information at risk on the internet. In an instant, a cybercriminal could harm what's yours, your finances, and your credit. Good thing there's LifeLock. LifeLock helps detect a wide range of identity threats like your social security number for sale on the dark web. If they detect your information's been potentially compromised, they'll send you an alert. I played for you last week an actual voicemail I got from LifeLock after someone checked my credit. Now, thankfully, it was an authorized credit check, but a couple times it hasn't been. And you're like, hey, now, let me get on top of that. LifeLock stays on top of it for you. Listen, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But you can keep what's yours with LifeLock Identity Theft Protection. Join now and save up to 25% of your first year by going to LifeLock.com slash Bongino. That's LifeLock.com slash Bongino to save 25% off. Here's just a quick tip, folks. I have this for my wife, my mother-in-law, my kids, too. They steal kids' identities, too. They go to the hospital and they use the kids' insurance information. People who aren't the kid secure their identity, too. LifeLock.com slash Bongino. Save 25% off today. It's absolutely worth your time. All right. Moving on. Folks, uh, this is really important. I have been warning you repeatedly, repeatedly about Joe Biden losing his grasp on reality. It gives me absolutely no joy in saying this, but I'm going to play this clip. You may have seen it on news shows that have been covering it since yesterday afternoon. So, you know, and I don't like to do things you can see on the news every day because I don't want to waste your time or make anything redundant. But I'm going to take this video from a different angle. I want to show you a follow-up from Twitter after it that's important and show you how, again, the media memory holes things because they're obviously in the tank as full-time liberal activists. And that memory holing of things is causing people, in some cases, to die like they did in New York when they refused to cover Andrew Cuomo fairly, who put corona patients into nursing homes, which promptly killed people. Here's the video. This is Joe Biden. He's discussing the promotion of two female army officers or military officers uh, to a uh, higher rank. He has his off to his left side. He has his defense secretary. Lloyd Austin, Secretary Austin. Except Joe Biden forgets the name of the department and the name of the secretary. Folks, again, I kid you not, this gives me no joy. Until I don't think Joe Biden is a good guy, but I don't wish ill on anyone. I'm sorry, but, um, you know, although I, I, I'm not here to pump my chest and throw my faith in your face, it's not ethical or moral to do that, but he is a bad guy. 
but I really don't wish ill on anybody. This guy is falling apart, and I'm telling you, everyone around him knows it. This is an existential threat for us right now. If this guy gets worse, he has the nuclear codes in his hand, and he's losing his grip on reality. Don't take my word for it. Sadly, watch it yourself. I just want to thank you both, and I want to thank the the, the uh, former general. I keep calling him general, but my... My uh, the guy who runs that outfit over there, uh, I want to make sure we thank the secretary for all he's done to try to implement what we've just talked about and for recommending these two women for promotion. Thank you all. May God bless you all. And may God protect our troops. I mean, really, folks, what, what, what else? What else do you need to see or hear? He, it's not, he, you have to understand, it's not just that he doesn't know Lloyd Austin's name. He doesn't even know the department. The guy who runs that outfit over there, you mean the outfit responsible for the nuclear triad? I mean, is that what you mean? The guy responsible for managing one of the largest and the most deadliest, the deadliest army in the world, the most powerful army in human history, you don't even know the department? Now, of course, Twitter, which has turned into a full-time publisher, anyone who believes Twitter is an honest, unbiased platform, I'm sorry, please seek psychological assistance immediately. I'm sorry you're lying to yourself, and you've convinced yourself you're lying to yourself. You've convinced yourself you're telling yourself the truth, even though you're lying to yourself. Very sorry to hear that. Here's Twitter. Twitter, of course, it has to run cover because they're a publisher. They're not a platform. And the media folks who have to run cover for Biden's clearly deteriorating cognitive condition right now. They got something trending on Twitter right away, which is Tim Apple. You can see this is just an actual screenshot from my phone. Tim Apple. What the hell does that have to do with Biden losing his grip on reality and forgetting the name of the, the Defense Department and Lloyd Austin? Well, of course, instead of keeping it on Biden, who is now the president uh, of the United States, they have to make it about Trump to distract you. It's the shiny red ball. Look, shiny red ball, squirrel. That's what they do. They have to keep your mind off that. So Tim Apple, Trump talking about Tim Cook from Apple, once called him Tim Apple. Um, here's the difference. Trump actually knew the man's first name and that he worked for Apple, which is a step above a step above Joe Biden, who didn't even know the man's first or last name or the Department of Defense. Kind of a big deal, folks. But of course, Twitter and their media friends and the blue checkmark brigade on the left has to do what? They have to make it about Trump to distract you from the fact that you think a sane person would be remotely curious. The fact that the guy who's got his finger on the nuclear button, the one single human being who can do it without anyone else's input, you would think they'd be concerned about that, that he's losing his grasp on reality. No, not concerned at all. They're more concerned about Trump saying Tim Apple. All right, moving on. I saw this this morning and, um, Again, not to be overly hostile on today's show, because I have my my family is chock full of teachers, and I really deeply respect what you do. I mean it. Virtue sound, not virtue sound. I mean, my life was changed by good teachers. I can't say it enough. I like to give them shout outs during the show. Um, I don't even know if a lot of them are still alive, but I had Miss Shortino in fourth grade. I went to Catholic school. I had Sister Ellen in third grade. Sister Ellen was she was strict. 
That was the old days. Remember the old days where they could, Joe, remember they could kind of wrap you on the knuckles with the ruler? You remember that? Those were the people like, oh my gosh, you know, snowflake culture now is probably horrified. Like, what was that, a horror movie? No, that was school. Like, they used to be able to do that. They were a little tough. I had Miss Brophy. I don't think she's alive anymore. But uh, I I remember I had really good teachers and I love teachers. You do a great job. I'm telling you, though, as a friend, and believe me, I am a friend, you can change the world. And, And there's an interesting article in the show notes today. I have to get off topic. This is directly related. There's an interesting, uh, I'm not going to cover it, but it's in my show notes, bongino.com slash newsletter, about this guy in this optimistic note about education and the future in the United States. I know we're all down on it, but I just want to give you some good news. Read that. So teachers are doing really a good public, solid, strong, solid public service, but their unions are a total disaster. And it's up to you teachers right now to clean them up. Here is the teachers union in Los Angeles who posted on some private Facebook group. <laughs> This is ridiculous. Notice what they don't say here. Let me get over. Let me get, I'm going to get to what they say. And I'm going to tell you what they don't because it's really tough for me to get over how unbelievably out of touch. This is one of those like let them eat cake moments. Here's a post on a private Facebook group. Friendly reminder to the teachers union members. If you are planning any trips for spring break, please keep that off of social media. It's hard to argue that it's unsafe for in-person instruction if parents and the public see vacation photos and international travel. Did you notice what this doesn't say? You pick up on this, Joe? It doesn't say, ladies and gentlemen of the teachers union, we are in the middle of a deadly pandemic, so dangerous we can't even go back to school. It is so dangerous we highly recommend in the health interests of our members of the Teachers Union of Los Angeles that you do not travel internationally or go on vacation have unnecessary contact with potentially infected human beings. If you were in some 28 Days Later disaster, remember that movie? That's a classic, by the way. Hmm. And the other one, what is it, 28 Weeks Later, is just as good. Very rare, the sequel to be as good as the first. Aliens and Empire Strikes Back only, and maybe 28 weeks later. If you were in the middle of a scenario like that where a deadly virus was creating zombies, you would probably, Joe, correct? If you were the teachers union rep, you would say, hey, listen, it's probably a really good, a really bad idea to go travel to the United Kingdom during the 28, 28 days later debacle, because I don't want you to become a flesh-eating zombie. Very bad, yeah. right? What you wouldn't tell them is if you go to the infected flesh-eating zombie area of the United Kingdom in the 28 Days Later movie, which is a classic, you would say, you don't want to say, just don't take pictures because it'll look bad on Instagram. (laughs) I'm just just checking, just checking. Or what was that? What was the other movie? The, the, the Contagion? Was it Contagion? I think that was the Matt Damon. I'm terrible with movies. Forgive me. My brain file for movies is severely overloaded. The medulla oblongata is not connecting to the cerebral cortex. It's just not. The pyramids are not decusating. <laughs> for all you neuroanatomy folks out there. <laughs> <laughs> I used to love that. The decusation of the pyramids. Check it out. Put it in a search engine. You'll figure it out. But if you had that movie Contagion where this deadly virus wipes out a billion people across the earth, wouldn't you tell your members in the union, hey, it's probably not a good idea to travel to an infected area. You could. Th-. That's not what they say. They say just don't take pictures because of what? Because why? Because, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, they know that this is a deadly pandemic. 500,000 people have died in the United States, but they know the risk to the students and the teachers are very low. 
So they tell their members, hey, if you're going to travel, whatever, do your thing. Just don't take any pictures. But don't worry. They're in it for the, they're in it for the kids. You've read my mind. I'm just thinking, man, we got to get like a time marker. Okay? You know what? The, the great part about having a show like this is, you know, it's, 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 you're not limited by a time clock like you would be on a national radio show. So you can do the spots when you want. So I got to get them all in, all four. So sometimes Guy gives me a little hint and he throws them up. And I think, Guy, I think like first spot, it's funny how we think this through with the audience. What do you think, folks? First spot, we do like right away, obviously. Second spot, like the 18, 19, 20, no more than 20 minutes, right? What do you think? The third, yeah, 30 to 35. Last one, maybe 45, no later than 50. There you go. We're working through the rules on the air right here because that's what we do. All right, listen, coming up next after this spot here. I, <laughs> I have a really not family-friendly title to this segment that I don't know if it's appropriate, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, and I may, I don't know if I'm banned from terrestrial radio. Just kidding to my Westwood One partners. I wouldn't do that to you. OPM, you know what OPM is? Of course you do, yeah. because you listen to my teaser post on Telegram or you heard the beginning of the show. Other people's money. When you're spending other people's money, it causes a lot of problems. But it's great for you. So I have this titled. I'm going to underline this baby. OPM. F yeah, baby. Exclamation point. Everybody loves spending. It rhymes with um, something that has a CK at the end. Yeah, with a dash. Yeah, exclamation point. Everybody loves spending other people's money. Wait till you hear what you're spending other people's money on in this porculus bill that they pretend is about COVID because it ain't. And ain't is a word in this case. All right, today's show brought to you by my buddies at my lifesaver friends at Omax. Living with chronic pain is the worst. Unfortunately, I know that. It affects your entire life. It's stopping me from working out at times. It really interrupts my sleep. I have really bad shoulders, a terrible neck, and I just found out I have another a rotting disc in my back, which is just wonderful. They found that on my uh, CT and, and MRI scan. So that's not good. Living with pain stinks. You want to get rid of those nagging pains in your muscles and your joints immediately and get long-lasting recovery? Use what I use, me and Paula. Paula uses it on her neck all the time. I roll that sucker on Paula's neck. She loves it. It's, uh, it, it, I mean, the icy feeling of relief is just immediate with this stuff. Cryo-free CBD roll-on by Omax Health. It's non-prescription, triple action, pain relief roll. And this is mine. This one's actually open. I use it. This one may be running dry a little bit because I've already used it a lot. Uh, it's developed by Omax Health. It's non-prescription, triple action, pain relief, specially formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. The best part, this 100% natural CBD-powered remedy works its magic within 10 minutes of application and, release, and relief lasts up to eight, eight hours, excuse me, much longer than over-the-counter products. Omax Health is offering my listeners 20% off a full bottle of this really amazing stuff, cryo-free CBD pain relief roll-on. The discount also applies site-wide toward any product. Just go to Omax, O-M-A-X, health.com today and enter code Bongino. That's omaxhealth.com, enter code Bongino to get 20% off cryo-freeze and site-wide. I swear by this stuff. Pro athletes such as PGA golfer Kyle Stanley use cryo-free CBD to recover on and off the course. They've got 95% five-star reviews on by their customers, and they love it. It's really good stuff. They buy it for fans and friends and family. Fans, friends and family too. I'm telling you, this product is the real deal. Go to omaxhealth.com, enter code Bongino to get 20% off and site-wide. Omaxhealth.com. Check it out today. Love this stuff. All right, getting back to the show. 
Again, you know, really bad decisions are made with OPM, ladies and gentlemen, other people's money. Now it's a byproduct of having to do business. I mean, not everybody has the capital in their bank account to start up a business. So they do things like taking investors, doing liquidity events, going public. The problem with the government is the Republican is one big liquidity event, right? They take your liquidity from your bank account and make an event about it by spending other people's money. This stimulus bill that's allegedly for coronavirus uh, stimulus after the economy is a total disaster. It's $1.9 trillion. It'll walk us down the path to bankruptcy quicker than anything we've seen in modern times. And ladies and gentlemen, we are getting darn close to a natural bank, uh, uh, excuse me, a national bankruptcy disaster. I want to point out a couple of things the stimulus is going to pay for. And I want you to ask yourself, how do you feel, honestly, about having to pay for other people's trash pickup and welfare programs in big cities, despite moving out of areas that have big welfare programs in big cities? How do you feel about paying for other people's retirement? And how do you feel about paying for other people's college? Now, I know there are liberals listening. And some of the liberals listening are like, well, I don't see a problem. It's the right thing to do. Right, Joe? I can hear it now. I can hear it echoing in, mm-hmm. their, in their cortex, in their frontal cortex, banging around. I can hear it. I can hear them saying, oh, Dan, you know, listen, we're the most uh, prosperous country on earth. It's the right thing to do to pay for people's retirement and to pay for people's student loans and to pay for welfare programs in big cities, despite the fact that they're growing bankrupt. So I ask you this. It's a very simple question, and I'd like you to consider it. I'm being serious here. Not a joke. If it's the right thing to do, why do you need the government to tell you to do it? Why not just do it? If you believe illegal immigration is absolutely terrific and fantastic all the time, then why don't you just take in a bunch of illegal immigrants who came to the country? Let them, let them, uh, let them just live in your house. Why don't you do that? No one does that, of course. Matter of fact, if you were to ask them to do it, they would mock you, tell you no, and suggest you were crazy. But because people like to impose costs on others while virtue signaling themselves. So it's easier to have the government do it because they feel like they're spending OPM. Other people's money. Let's look at number one. This is a tweet I saw from uh, Trisha Thadani. She's blue check mark. So uh, I guess this is some kind of reporter. Uh, The San Francisco Chronicle. The stimulus bill contains a bunch of state and city bailout stuff. So you're going to bail out places you've moved out of like San Francisco and New York. Check this out. The The federal stimulus package will erase the majority of San Francisco's projected $650 million budget deficit over the next two years. Isn't that wonderful? Saving City Hall from having to make painful service cuts and layoffs for now. Now, again, a liberal is like, what's the problem, Dan? Of course, federal tax money should go to pay off the profligate San Francisco city government for uh, their big welfare programs, their big government liberal agenda. And I just found out, I read something on social media, that San Francisco had a program to purchase weed and booze for homeless folks they put up in hotels. That sounds like a real gem. So again, if you want to buy weed and booze for people where it's legal, um, then just do your thing. Just go do it. I think it's a really terrible idea, but don't ask me to pay for it too. And if you think it's so wonderful and so benevolent, you're so philanthropic and such a wonderful asset to our society, then just go do it without the government telling you. I live in Florida. We have a a relatively well-controlled state budget. Despite having more people than New York, we have a budget that's, what, 20, 30% less than New York's budget? 
I like that. That's the reason I moved out of New York. I don't want to pay off New York, New Yorkers, or anyone else. That's why I live here. I want my tax money going to my roads, to my traffic lights, to my cops, to my firemen, for my trash pickup. I don't want to pay for New York City trash pickup in the middle of downtown Manhattan. Sorry, if you want to do it, go right ahead. I'm sure New York City and New York State has a little box on their tax return forms. File a tax return and give them a bunch of dough. Nobody's stopping you, but you won't do it because you're phonies. So OPM paying off other state budgets, that sounds absolutely terrific. And by terrific, I mean it really sucks. What else are you paying for? New York Times. Headline. Rescue package includes $86 billion bailout for failing pensions. This is great. Now you're paying for everyone else's retirement too. Dan, we should do that. Pensions are going broke. Uh, Folks, I don't have a pension. I pay for my own pension through my work and through my company. Why do I have to pay your pension too? Because your pension fund couldn't manage it. Manage it. Dan, you're being mean. I'm not being mean. You're being, you're not giving the money. So your neighbors in a pension fund, I'm being real. You're being disingenuous. I'm at least being authentic. You're a liar. Your neighbors in a pension fund that bankrupted itself, you're not giving the neighbor money. Why not just help people in your local community? We do. Oh, yeah, we got receipts. I don't need someone to force me to do it. Why don't you do it? I'm not going to pay off my neighbor's pension. Why not? Oh, you want me to do it? Despite the fact we already give a lot of money to charity. You want me to do it? You want me to pay your New York City neighbor's pension who was involved in a pension fund that went broke because they couldn't manage it, but you don't want to give them any money. You just want me to do it. OPM, baby. Yeah, OPM, baby. Other people's money. Everybody's always generous with other people's money. Sure, we should pay for weed and booze in San Francisco. Sure, we should bail out pension funds. My pension funds, uh, you know, my pension funds struggling. Maybe I should bail out my own. No, no, no. You should bail out the neighbor's pension. So just give them money. Just give them the money. I'm not giving them the money. That's crazy. Oh, you want me to do it? Makes perfect sense to liberals, by the way. Here's the last gem here. I caught this yesterday in the Wall Street Journal. I actually discussed it on Sean Hannity's show last night. Things you won't hear about everywhere else. Wall Street Journal editorial board has this piece. Popped last night, 6.33 p.m. Eastern. It's worth your time. Tax forgiveness for student loan forgiveness? Democrats grease the budget wheels for writing off debt by Biden decree. Let me translate that title because I read this piece and I thought, oh my gosh, are these Democrats devious? What are they up to now? You've got to have like a BS detector on high alert for Democrats all the time. So not only are you paying off profligate cities and states that have ridiculously high taxes and buy booze and weed for people in hotel rooms, not only are you paying for other people's retirement despite trying to fund yours, but you're also paying off your well-to-do neighbor's kids' college fund. How? Here's what they slid in this is porculous bill. You ready? He's like sitting there with bated breath because I don't tell him this. I, I, I just send him the headline for a reason because then he gets to read the screenshot. screenshot. And I wanted to see, I want to get a genuine reaction. So 
If you discharge student loan debt, so say Joe Biden and the Democrats get together a bill to discharge the one point, what is it, $6 trillion in outstanding student loan, we're going to forgive it all, which is nonsense. All debts are paid, right? By the debtor or the creditor, right? I lend you money yeah. and you don't pay it back. The debt's paid off. I paid it for you because you never paid me back. Right. If you pay it back, you paid it. All debts are paid, right? Milton Friedman, all debts are paid, the debtor or the creditor. There is no such thing as loan forgiveness. That's a myth in liberal land. So if Joe Biden was to, quote, forgive student loans, meaning the taxpayers would pay for it, this interesting thing happens, and I was unaware of this, Joe. When Obama took hold of the student loan market when he was in office, because the government now runs the student loan market, and they wanted loan forgiveness built in through various programs they did, they couldn't waive the tax consequences because then they couldn't go through budget reconciliation and it wouldn't be budget neutral. That's a little overly complicated. The bottom line is this. If you discharge student loan debt and I tell Joe Armacost, Joe, your student mm -hmm. loan debt is wiped out. Thanks for playing. Joe still has to pay taxes on that discharged amount. It has to pay it in the year it's discharged. Huh. What did the Democrats do? These little snakes. They snuck into the porculus bill a waiver of that tax liability in the year of the discharge of the debt. Meaning not only are you on the hook for your neighbor's pension, your neighbor's uh, you know, weed and booze if you live in San Francisco, but you're also going to pay for their college because they're gonna, your tax dollars already paid them off and they don't have to pay the debt back. But even the tax liability for the benefit of having their tax, they'd have to pay taxes on it. It's a benefit. Clearly, you were given a lot of money. Your, your, your debt was paid off. By yeah. the creditor, right? Your tax bill gets wiped clean too. They stuck that in the porculus bill. How do you like that one? Not only do you not have to pay your debt, you don't even have to pay the taxes on the debt, which would be a fraction of the debt, which would pay off only a fraction of what taxpayers paid you to go to college. Sounds great. Sounds great if you're a lib, doesn't it? Again, liberals love this because a lot of them are dunces. But, the, you know, $64 trillion question, maybe literally at some point, is if you want to pay for your neighbor's pension and their booze and weed and their kid's college, why not just pay them? Why go through the government? That's crazy, Dan. I'm not going to give my neighbor a check for his kid's college. Why? So you want me to do it? You want That makes sense to you. No, no, we want taxpayers to. Okay, taxpayers are people like me. They're not space aliens. They're real people. That's what taxpayers are. You don't want to pay for your neighbor's kid's college. You could do it direct. Cut the government out. Why not do it? Just write him a check. My neighbor. My neighbor's got a lot of money. Pay for his own kid's college. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you want me to pay for it? And Joe and Paula and Gee, you want all of us to pay for it. And then even the fraction of the tax bill we'd get back, you don't want him to pay that either. Yeah, sounds fair. Thanks, guys. Nice work. I want to get to a piece of video next, but here's this uh, by John Solomon. You know, the Spygate. I haven't been covering Spygate a lot because I'm, I'm, I'm really starting to believe nothing is ever going to happen out of this. I'm, my skepticism grows by the minute. Seriously, I covered it in, you know, what, three books and on my show extensively, but I'm sadly convinced nothing's ever going to happen. But this final story to Blaze will be in the show notes is important too. Not only are you paying for your neighbor's trash pickup, their booze, their weed, their retirement, their kid's college, and the tax bill on their kid's college, too, once they waive it. You're also paying illegal immigrants and prisoners, too. Gee, that sounds fair. Chris Enlow, <laughs> The Blaze. Democrats reject efforts to prevent stimulus checks from going to prisoners and illegal immigrants. 
Prisoners do not pay taxes. Taxpayers pay for their every need. Chris Enlow, The Daily, uh, The Blaze, excuse me. Folks, sounds like a great bill, doesn't it? Again, you want to give prisoners money. Um, why not just go do it? You want to give people who are illegal immigrants money. You're not going to do that. You don't even take them in and take care of them now, despite your, your silly virtue signaling that you do. You don't do that now. So not only are you not going to take illegal immigrants in and take care of them, you're definitely not going to give them your money. You just want us to do it. And prisoners too. This is really insane. All right. On the other side of this, I've got a interesting video from Maria Bartiromo show, a short clip of John Solomon suggesting something important that would matter. Again, again, I'm just putting this out there now. I am because I have become sadly extremely skeptical that there's going to be any accountability long term for the Spygate debacle with the Obama administration spied on the Trump team. I wish I didn't have to say that, but I do. But it is worth covering because if true, who knows? It could be a decent break and you need to know about it. All right, our final sponsor today, our friends at Simply Safe. You have 30 free minutes. You never have to worry about a break in at home ever again. That's how quick and easy it is to set up a security system from Simply Safe. It's the kind of thing, it's so easy to do, you can do it during a Netflix binge, watching the game, or listening to a certain podcast. Simply Safe is super easy to set up. We love it. The app on my phone, again, is easy to use. And you know I'm not big with the tech stuff. If I can figure it out, you can. It's incredibly easy to customize for your home. How do you do it? Get this URL right. Go to simplysafe.com slash Dan Bongito. You can easily choose the exact sensors you need or get help from one of their experts. It's that simple. It'll get to your house in about a week. It means by the time uh, next week comes around, your whole family can go to bed knowing you guys are guarded and safe. It's easy for everyone in the house it, or, or the, to, make, to make them feel super safe, but they may not. It's worthwhile to talk about it. Ask them. Simply Safe is a small, easy step to make sure everyone feels safe at home. Paula set our system up. I'm not kidding. I went and took a snoozer in the middle of the day. The system was already set up. We got a camera right there. We got cameras all over the house. We love it. And again, the app is super easy to use. How do you get it? You go to simplysafe.com slash Dan Bongino today to customize your system and get a free security camera. You also get a 60-day risk-free trial, so there's nothing to lose. That's simply with an I, S-I-M-P-L-I, simplysafe.com slash Dan Bongino. Get that URL right. And I'd just like to thank Simply Safe. I didn't tell Guy I was going to do this, but uh, I got a nice listener email from someone. I'm not going to say the circumstances or anything like that. Don't worry. But it was a person who had an issue in their personal life and called Simply Safe um, and had a few questions. And Simply Safe found out the details of what had happened. And uh, I'm not kidding. This is not some like, uh, you know, oh, let's make up a fake email story to sell something. And Simply Safe did something really amazing. Like really help this person out. You know who you are. Send me the email and simply say, if I want to thank you, that was really special. Paula told me the story yesterday. She does a lot of the correspondence with a lot of the listeners. It was very nice. I mean, it was extreme customer service, really. So thanks. Simply safe. Cool. Very nice. You have my uh, deep appreciation. All right. Getting back to the show. So I saw this video creep up on my uh, daily morning show prep, which starts at the crack of dawn these days. John Solomon was on with Maria Bartiromo, who has been all over the Spygate scandal. And he says that we may have a dipsy do flipperuski coming up. What's the dipsy do flipperuski? It's a very scientific term. Uh, that means someone may be giving up information inside the FBI. 
which would be very helpful, obviously, because you want someone who was in all these internal meetings when they were planning on how they were going to spy on the Trump team, because that's exactly what happened. To have someone inside the FBI, do you understand the importance of this, folks, who was actually in the room and can testify to the testify to the motivations and the language used by people who tried to justify spying on a presidential campaign? Do you know how important that would be? Solomon seems to hint in this video clip I'm going to play right now that someone has done the dipsy do flipperoo and is now talking to the investigators about what exactly happened in the Spygate scandal. Check this out. Welcome back. We are back with Just the News, Editor-in-Chief John Solomon. And John, you've done such excellent reporting on the Russia hoax, among other stories. What can you tell us in terms of where we are with the John Durham criminal investigation? And has there been a break in the case? There has, yes. It's a very active criminal case. A lot of witnesses, a lot of uh, negotiation with lawyers. The big news is that a former member of the Comey, McCabe, inner circle, one of the senior FBI executives, I don't know which one yet, but one of them has begun cooperating, and that's opened up a tremendous amount of internal uh, knowledge, uh, being able to uh, describe the nuances of evidence. Very big breakthrough for John Durham. Now, if true... And Solomon's very clear he doesn't know who it is. I have some speculation, I think, who it could be. Um, that would be big. I'm not overselling anything, folks. Again, I know many of you are just fatigued by this, but you can't get fatigued because what the Democrats want is they just want the story to go away and they want you to say, oh, enough already. I've heard enough about this. Everybody move on. No, we're not moving on. They spied on Donald Trump. And damn it, I want to know who did it and why. Now you got a guy or a woman, potentially a source who's talking, who's chatty right now, who's telling investigators exactly why they did it. That's important. Why, folks? Because it establishes motive. Motive is critical. Motive means something. It matters in a criminal case. Mm -hmm. If the FBI is going to suggest they did things without a political motive and did it because they had evidence, we spied on Trump because we had evidence that someone was in the room and found out that in that room they didn't have any evidence and the people in the room just hated Donald Trump, that's kind of important. Now, it could be a number of figures. I've always been suspicious of people at the top of the FBI because one of them was allowed to stay behind. Uh, Bill Prystep, who was the supervisor of Peter Stroke, who ran the Spygate operation on Trump, and Joe Pianco, who did a lot of the interviews of Flynn and was involved in it too, Price Step was their supervisor. I don't know if it's him or not who's flipped, but he wasn't fired by the FBI. So I wonder often, is he one of the people who's been feeding the investigators information? I don't know, um, but that'll be interesting. That'll be interesting. He clearly knows a lot. He was, I mean, beneath Jim Comey and Andy McCabe, he was the single most powerful FBI figure involved in this case. It would be fascinating if he turned, what they say in the movies, turn states <laughs> I always laugh because nobody actually says that. But if he turned and flipped and did the dipsy-do flipperoo, that would be fascinating. One more thing in the Spygate case. Uh, I want to get on to this last story. Uh, hat tip, Hans Monkey. There was a text I saw on uh, his social media feed, too. This is fascinating. Remember the ICA, the intelligence community assessment that the Obama administration put out on January 6th, right before Donald Trump was about to take office? Yeah. Do you remember that? The intelligence yep. community said 17. Remember, folks, you may know it as the 17 intelligence agencies said Donald Trump colluded with the Russians. Of course, yeah. that was all made up. There's no evidence of that. That was all based on nonsense and garbage and only stupid people fell for it. But one of the big scandals that Stephen McIntyre, who is a climate audit on social media on Twitter, 
one of the biggest scandals of this whole thing, I've argued from the beginning, is one that you paid an FBI informant to spy on the Trump team. That's bad enough. Like your tax dollars paid to spy on the Trump team. But I'd say either one or two in the biggest component of the Spygate scandal is the fact that the ICA was used as justification to investigate Donald Trump for collusion with the Russians that didn't happen. And it was pushed out to the media. And one of the biggest scandals here is that 17 intelligence agencies, it's not exactly true, by the way, but the media said it. 17 intelligence agencies approved of this. Well, now we have this text. And let me tell you something. This is a real eye-opener. This is a text exchange from an, uh, uh, Jonathan Maffa, who was involved in the investigation at the supervisory level, and Lisa Page from the FBI. He was kind enough to make this more user-friendly for our viewers on Rumble, but I'll read it to you. Here's the Maffa Page messages, which Guy has titled handily, Joe, the Maffa Page messages. All right. <laughs> it's crazy how we found that. Here, so here's Maffa, uh, here's Page. Holy moly. How do they justify not using it? What is it and what is she talking about? She's talking about how the intelligence community was very hesitant to use the PP dossier in drawing up this intelligence community assessment launched in January of 2017, suggesting Trump was colluding with the Russians. Responds back, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Although at the end of the day, if we gave it to them and they don't include it, that's on them. We just don't approve and they can push without our coordination. Response, we can't not approve and not dissent. That's an approval. If you don't approve, you have to write a dissent, which, which we probably don't want to do. That's the challenge, ultimately. What they wrote is not wrong. It just doesn't give all the details. We're work, working through it. Let me translate that for you. Somebody in the FBI wants really badly to include the pee, pee hoax in that intelligence community assessment they leaked to the media to make sure the media knows that Trump was colluding with the Russians and 17 intelligence agencies agree. And yet they're so uncertain about its content because it's all garbage, Joe, that they're worried about having to write a dissent about it. <laughs> weird, huh? Real weird. Sure. <laughs> Strange how that stuff happened and still, yeah. I'll move on. Everybody, no, no, I'll move on when I want. Thank you very much. Almost got through all my stuff today. All right, last story. I'll make this one a quick one. Again, in my show notes, but it's an important one. This is a very long article by Neil Ferguson, but worth your time. It's about the inflation menace beating down our door. Be very careful. I have warned you and I will continue to warn you that the biggest threat to our economy right now is uncontrolled inflation. This article is in a Bloomberg opinion. Bloomberg, I know, but it's worth your time. Again, it's available in the show notes, bongino.com slash newsletter. Um, it's long, but if you really want a manifesto about the potential inflationary uh, tidal wave coming ashore, then read this piece. The title of the piece is this, The Fed Doesn't Fear Inflation. Its critics have longer memories. Milton Friedman saw the great uptick of the 1970s coming, and Larry Summers has similar warnings today. Jerome Powell of the Fed would do well to listen. Ladies and gentlemen, Larry Summers is a Democrat. He was Clinton's uh, Treasury Secretary. And Larry Summers, a Democrat, I would say left-leaning but not super liberal Democrat, is warning I can't say this enough, a Democrat, that, hey, this Joe Biden porculus bill, OPM, baby, yeah, that this stimulus bill 
may cause a mass inflation like we haven't seen since the 70s. Well, before I get to a screenshot from this piece showing you how bad this could get, I just want to point to the fact that inflation almost always is a phenomenon that destroys, it's, it's regressive. It destroys people a lower down on the income scale. More than it destroys everyone, but more so than it destroys the rich and the wealthy. Why, Joe? Because the wealthy and the rich have, have tools to deal with inflation. Yeah. Treasury inflated uh, tips bonds, protected bonds, hedging tools, foreign currencies. The rich all have access to that. Do you? You may be saying, nah, nah, I don't have access to that. Okay, made my point. Inflation will decimate two groups of people, seniors on a fixed income. So you have seniors right now that live on a fixed income. They get the same amount of money roughly every single month, social security, whatever it may be. How's that going to feel when that same amount of money buys you cat food to live off for dinner every day? It sounds kind of crappy, doesn't it? That's what's going to happen. That's what inflation does. You get paid the same money and that same money buys you less and less and less. Used to buy you steak. Then it buys you sirloin. Then it buys you chicken. Then it buys you bologna. And then it buys you cat food. And then it buys you death. That's how dangerous inflation is. So number one, the number one group that's going to be damaged are seniors on fixed incomes, which are a lot of folks. I have a lot of seniors listening to my show. The second will be the poor who can't hedge against inflation because they don't have access to the same financial tools rich people do. You guys want to pay a whole boatload of money for a fancy financial advisor? They'd be lucky if they even take you as a client. And your purchasing power, if you're poor, goes down the tubes. Can't even fill up your gas tank anymore because your money doesn't buy but a gallon of gas. So it's incredible that liberals promoting this porculous bill with OPM that's going to blow up our budget and cause mass inflation by printing a bunch of money we don't have don't seem to give a damn about the inflation threat, despite the fact that it's going to destroy the people liberals claim to care about, seniors and the poor. Here's a piece from this uh, snippet from this Bloomberg article. That should scare the hell out of you. Read the whole piece, though. Again, it's worth your time. Quote, on Thursday, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell made the latest of multiple attempts by Fed officials to reassure markets they have nothing to fear from a temporary bout of higher inflation as the economy emerges from COVID. In response, you can almost hear the chance of always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. They're quoting Milton Friedman, who said that inflation is, quote, always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. In other words, the result of printing a bunch of money. It goes on. After all, the latest M2 growth rate, that's the growth rate of our money supply when we print a lot of stuff, folks. The latest M2 growth rate for January is 25.8%. Man, that sounds kind of high. Roughly twice the rate at inflation's peak in the 1970s. Yes, even though velocity, the spending of money, money monetary velocity is way down. So think about that. In the 1970s, when inflation peaked at the mid-sixes, can you imagine what that would mean for you? When well, inflation peaked, we, when mortgage rates were 12, 15, and even higher, 15%, car, to buy a finance a car cost you almost uh, twice as much. We were printing by M2's growth rate, the growth in the money supply, half as much as we do now. It's a simplistic way of saying it, but yeah, don't worry about it, folks. Inflation, it'll all be fine. Cat food, next on the menu. 
Gasoline, you'd be lucky to fill up. You'll be driving a scooter to work at this point. But nobody seems worried about it all. Just keep spending away. All debts are paid, folks. Don't ever forget, either by the debtor or the creditor, but every single debt is paid. All right, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Again, I have a big announcement coming in the middle of the week, another addition to our growing portfolio of parallel economy items so you can get away from the leftist tyrants and the big tech uh, big tech ecosystem of platforms that have you banned tomorrow. Uh, also, please subscribe to our Rumble account, rumble.com slash Bongino to watch the video version of the show. We really appreciate it. We'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard Dan Bongino.